0: What an amazing morning. Would you uh, thank them again for just the incredible job they do in leading us? I'm amazed. uh, I'm just really (laughs) excited to be your pastor. Uh, What a blessing that was to to my heart. Um, I know you just sat down, but I am going to ask you to stand again for the reading of God's Word just very briefly today, just a few verses but I want to read for you this morning, Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. The words will be on the screen. Matthew five, thirteen through 16. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp. Put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Father, we just come before you again, and uh, what a precious time just of worship this morning. Uh, And Father, I pray that you found in us people who worship in spirit and truth. That we've presented ourselves now before you so that you might speak into us, life. Uh, And Father, I know that there are burdens that have walked through this door. I know for those that are engaging with us online, Father, there are all kinds of things that we carry around in this world right now, things that uh, have a tendency to make a drag on us and pull us back. But Father, our hope lies in the firm foundation of Jesus. So we come before you today and are so thankful for the love that you give us and While we do pray that you would fill us and that you would mold us and shape us, we do ask for your comfort today. We ask for your peace, that you would, Father, touch our hearts with your presence. And Father, continue just to show us how much you love us. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So we've been in our As It Is series now for a few weeks. We've been talking about what it looks like for god 's will to be done on earth in the region, as it is in heaven, more specifically we 've really kind of been talking about what kind of a person it is what what kind of a person um, that uh, God is going to use for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, and this week, I did something a little different I, uh, I went online and went on Facebook to our Facebook page and if you 've not liked the Facebook page or shared the Facebook page, I want to encourage you to do that, but um, on our Facebook page, I asked a question, I, I, I created these I am statements, and then they had blanks, and then I asked people if they'd be willing to share and fill in the blanks on some of these I am statements, and uh, so what you're going to see on the screen is, is a number of those, if you don't see your name on the screen but you did it, this is because I stopped on Wednesday, you guys kept going, so make sure you visit the page, but uh, you'll see them here on the screen here in a second, I'm Liz Manning, I'm a mother and mother-to-be again, And wife, I'm grateful for being saved in more ways than one and for God's forgiveness and love. I'm Melissa. I am God's child. I'm thankful for His love. I'm Dottie. I'm a mother and best friend. I'm grateful for a God that shows me His love every day. Anna, I am a wife, mother, sister, and friend. Grateful for the strength God gives me. Tiffany, I am a fellow worker of God. As a healthcare professional, He gives me the strength, energy, and courage to help others. Amen. Uh, Sean. I am a child of God, mom, bonus mom, and friend. I am a teacher trying to reflect God to children. Here's some more. Elizabeth, I am a wife. If you've been following any marathon training, Elizabeth and I, neck and neck, right there. She and I. I am Elizabeth. I'm a wife, mother, and a devout friend to many. I'm so glad I was saved from a difficult past. And can now minister to others through God's grace. Alex, passionate family man, worker, and learner. I am learning to let go of my failure, accept his forgiveness and grace, strive for his purpose in my life. Michael, is Michael here again in the second? So there he is, man. Michael's my fist bump, man, every single, every single Sunday. I am Michael. I am a student friend and bring positivity. God put me to be an example for our younger teenagers in youth. Good job, man. I'm Lisa. Beloved child of God, mother of two fantastic young men, I'm grateful that Jesus never gave up on me, and every day teaches me how to show mercy towards others, as I have been given mercy. I may not get it right as often as I should, and then I cut her off because Lisa just has so much to share about what God's done in her life. No, we're we're excited about that. Then you got Jeff. I'm a child of God, surrendering to God's will in my life each day. I am Kaylee. I'm a daughter, friend, God's child. I'm grateful for a God who shows up and never gives up. Joan, I'm a born-again believer and example that Jesus still performs miracles. I want to help as much as I can to give an example to others. And Janice, I am a work in progress. I appreciate that God never gives up on me. Amen. Those are awesome. I told you before, I love to collect stories, and uh, those bless my heart. I love to collect those. Uh, we're going to do something interesting here in a few weeks. We're starting a new series that's going to take us through the summer called This Is Us. This Is Us. Somebody was joking with me, do I only do three-word titled series? <laughs> um, no, but uh, this one we are. We're going to be walking through the fruit of the Spirit from Paul's letter to the church at Galatia, and uh, we're going to be walking through that all the way through the summer and really pulling out what it means for that for us. What it, who are we? If somebody were to say, who are you all about? We could say, this is us, and we can point at these qualities. So we're going to talk about that, but I kind of came up with an idea, and sometimes when I share my ideas, people are kind of like, "Mm." so I'm going to share an idea. Please don't make it one of those "Mm," ideas. So here's my idea. I would love, because this is going to be about us, I would love to get a picture of every single one of you, a headshot. And what we're going to do is we're going to build kind of a collage because this series is going to be about who we are becoming. This is us. And so what we've done is there's a couple of different places out in the foyer. You'll see a black background on the wall. We've got some ladies who are willing to take your headshot. They're not glamour shots, okay? So you don't have to go home, change your outfit, get a boa, you know, or whatever. But uh, we just want a headshot. We're going to put a big old collage together of all of your faces and use that up on the screen, and, in, and some of you are getting really nervous. Listen, if they'll put my face on the screen, you got nothing to lose. So uh, if you would do that, that'd be fantastic. Uh, I would really appreciate that after the service uh, this week, maybe next week, and then uh, we'll use that. So if you would do that, that'd be great. But going back to what I said before, these I am statements, those are incredible. I am this, I am that. Can I add one more statement to those? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ today, uh, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a kingdom citizen that God is going to use to see His will done on earth as it is in heaven, then that also means that you can add the another I am statement. I am, what you see on the screen, an ambassador. I'm an ambassador. John 15, 16 through 19 says this. This is Jesus saying this. He says, you didn't choose me. I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you these things I command you so that you'll love one another. Now, I want you to notice, he says, you've been appointed to go. You, as an ambassador, have been appointed to go. Verses 18 through 19, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are, not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Now, I think most of us try to live our lives so nobody hates us, right? Um, So that's not a particularly attractive picture that's being painted there. But don't miss the really important words there. You are not of this world. You are out of this. You're out of this world. You are out of This world. Jesus is saying you've been appointed out of one world into another. An ambassador. Now the dictionary defines ambassador like this. A diplomatic agent of the highest rank. Accredited to a foreign government as the resident representative of another one. You're a resident representative in this kingdom of a different kingdom. If you profess a faith in Jesus, he chose you for that. He chose you for that, appointed you that you would bear fruit to represent him, to be an ambassador. You are his envoy, uh, his designated representative uh, of God in the kingdom of this world. You're commissioned into a foreign kingdom to represent Jesus Christ, to represent the interests of Jesus Christ in the world we live in today. You are an ambassador. Okay, so you might be thinking, okay, dude, that's a little intense. I didn't sign up for that. And you know what? You're right. You didn't. He chose you. He chose you. He chose how you would live. This is, this is mind-blowing to me. He chose how you would live in this world as an ambassador for the kingdom of God before the world began. He chose you for this role. So, in the Sermon on the Mount that we've been looking at, Jesus identifies a people that God uses to see His will done on earth as it is in heaven. What are the characteristics of these people that God is able to craft and form and use so that that, that taste, that, that flavor of the kingdom of God begins manif- be manifested as a reality in the kingdom that we live in right now, the kingdom of this world. What does it look like? And in this section, Jesus tells us, salty and bright. That's what it looks like. That's what it is. We're salty and bright. The metaphors of salt and light are a little bit lost on us in the 21st century. We're quite removed from what he was speaking about in that moment. But uh, that would not have been lost on the people that were sitting on that hillside listening to him speak that day. He says if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except be thrown out, trampled by people. Now, for you and I, salt is cheap, right? I mean, if you spill some salt on the table, you just scoop it in your hand and then you throw it away. I mean, that's, that's what we do with salt. But in, in ancient times, salt was money. I mean, you'd be throwing away money if you did that. Uh, there was no refrigeration in that day. There was no modern medicine. So salt, to a certain extent, had as much value as money. In fact, people were paid in salt sometimes, which gave birth to the expression, that person is so lazy, they're not worth their salt, right? They've not earned this wage, which was paid in salt. So why is this a metaphor, right? Why is this the metaphor Jesus uses for the kingdom of God and the person that God uses? Well, it has to do with what salt does. And number one, salt preserves. Okay, they say, and you know what they, who they are, right? I don't know. They say that about a 20% mixture of salt uh, can prohibit bacterial growth, can prohibit things like mold from growing. So it, what happens is salt begins to absorb water, and uh, it absorbs it from meat, from food, uh, making it too dry for bacteria to actually begin to breed and develop. The analogy, spiritually speaking, is not a hard one to make. Okay? Uh, an ambassador for the kingdom should be a preserver, should be protecting life, should be preventing Infection from taking root. That's what we should be doing. Now, practically speaking, what does that look like? And in my mind, in my mind, what this addresses really is the idea of proximity. Proximity for the church, and I, when I say church, I mean big C, not just our church, but the church. I think for generations, the church has really struggled with the idea that places struggles with the idea of going places where decay and brokenness are. Um, we've become really good at avoiding those places, withdrawing from those places, because if we go to those places, or if we associate with those people, if we, bef- if we befriend those people, first of all, what would my other Christian friends think? They think I'm going that way too, which is a whole other sermon. Um, but at the end of the day, we're so afraid of being contaminated or what happens if I go in those places and it rubs off on me or, or all that kind of different stuff. And, and I think that that's a real crime. Jesus never not... I mean, Jesus in the Gospels, if you read the Gospels for what they are, Jesus did this incredible thing where he wrote this line where he in one moment would be addressing the religious leaders who had it all together, but then would just seamlessly move... Into places and people that the, the religious leaders would never have gone. He would go see lepers, he would talk to adulterous women, he would, he would do all kinds of, he would go across racial boundaries to talk to. Them. No, no, we don't do those things. Jesus did that seamlessly over and over and over again. It's good to remember that Jesus did not move out of the drama. He did not move out of the neighborhood. There was no flight for Jesus. Okay? Jesus moved in. He leaned into the neighborhood. He moved into it. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, Christ is Christ in you today? I mean, it's not, doesn't say exactly this in the Bible, but you know, the, the old traditional thing is, did you ask Jesus into your heart? And it gives the insinuation that you're inviting Christ into your life, into your heart to forgive you of your sins. It's no longer I who live, Paul says, it's Christ who lives in me. Okay, so so if Christ is in you, that means this: the, the power of the Holy Spirit now resides in you as well and can strengthen you and empower you to live the life that he's asking you to live, that he's calling you to live, give you the strength to love your enemies, give you the strength to go where where other people would never go. Conviction, all of those things. And if that's the truth, if Christ is in you and the Holy Spirit is working in you to enable you to do the things that God is asking you to do, then listen, I think God's got this. I think God's got this if you decide that you need to go where other people won't go. I think God's got that. Frankly, I get really weary of self preservationist Christianity that kind of sees the highest achievement of Christianity is, I went to church this morning and got blessed, okay? Instead of trying to figure out what does it mean to be the blessed person for somebody else who's on the outside dying of thirst, dying of hunger, what does it look like to be a blessing to somebody? It's hard to bless other people. Listen, if you don't enter their world. And the last time I checked on our wall, it says, as real life, we love God, we love people. It doesn't say which ones. It just doesn't. I don't think it's probably going to change either. We love people and we serve the world. Okay. It's hard to bless others if we don't enter into their world as infected and broken as it might be. Real lifers love people, and that looks like proximity. Looks like moving in. That's what Jesus did for us. That's what he did for us. Ambassadors position themselves intentionally in places where they bring preservation, where they bring hope, and they bring hope because of what else salt does. Salt also, number two, heals. Salt heals. So it cleanses, right? Salt purifies and expedites healing for many of the same reasons that it preserves. It removes the opportunity. Moisture breeds infection, so it removes that moisture. It almost, not as an antiseptic, but it it removes the opportunity for infection to be present. It drives out infection. God's will being done in the region, on earth as it is in heaven, happens when Jesus' followers bring healing In the lives of others, in a world where the pattern of this world is to tear down and divide and break. Our world is a world of brokenness. The pattern in the kingdom of this world is division and brokenness, guaranteed. If Satan can divide us, if Satan can allow us in our worst nature to categorize ourselves and put ourselves in different pockets and bicker and fight at each other, he really doesn't have to do anything else. He's already won. The pattern of this world is brokenness and division. That's what the pattern of this world is. It's a place where words and actions cut deep, right? You've experienced this, right? Don't tell me you haven't experienced this in the last year. As a pastor, I've experienced profound amounts of this where words are stated, where comments are made that cut deep. It's like a paper cut. And then what happens? See, salt is interesting because as people who are described as people who are supposed to be salty, we are supposed to bring hope. We're supposed to bring healing, and salt can do that if it's done in truth and love. But what happens when you take out the love part? You ever get salt in a wound, a paper cut? Or did you ever not know you had a paper cut, and then all of a sudden, huh, what just happened? Right? It becomes an irritant And you know what you want to do with something that irritates you? Avoid it. Stay away from it. I don't think I need to quote, I I know I talked about it last week and the week before, that Gallup poll that says over 50% of Americans now are not religiously affiliated, they don't go to church, they're not members of a church. We love to point at the world as the reason that that's the case. But there also comes a moment where we have to address kind of the elephant in the room and say, sometimes we pour salt on wounds not to heal, but to irritate. Hoping sometime in our irritation, they'll say, you know what, you're right. I want to be near you. Yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't work. That's not how it happens. We speak the truth, but we also do it in love. One of the reasons that I asked people on Facebook this last week to write those IM statements is because those things are few and far between on Facebook. Even among Christians, the lack of positivity, the lack of edifying dialogue among believers in Christ on social media is a, is a mark on us as a people, is a mark on us as a people. And those comments are a shining salty light in the midst of all of that darkness. Those are absolutely beautiful Imagine the response of a weary, wounded world. Imagine what that response might be to have an ambassador of another healing kingdom speak into their life. Now, salt does all kinds of different things. I could go down the analogies, keep going. But I think Jesus is really specific with this one. And the one I'm going to talk about next is the one that I actually think he really, I think really is addressing in this moment And it's this idea of number three, salt creates thirst, creates thirst. So I think I've shared this before. My grandmother on my mom's side was a bartender. And um, when I was little, I have several memories of going really little, going into that bar. And we would, we'd just go into the bar to see my grandma, get picked up, put on the bar stool, and right in front of us, a big old bowl of peanuts. And uh, we'd sit there and visit my grandma. And we always went, this is a side note, we always went on Wednesdays, which was Liver and Onions Day. I like Liver and Onions today. I do. Not many people do, but I sat there with kind of a bunch of drunk guys eating Liver and Onions on Wednesdays when I was a little kid. So that's, that's what we did. But the other thing about, about a bar and peanuts is when I was also growing up, I had a paper route, like one of those five in the morning paper routes. I started that paper, I think I was nine, and I had that paper route all the way through my junior year of high school, same paper route. And my favorite client that I delivered papers to was the bar around the corner from our house. And they were my favorite because every single Saturday, you'd get on your bike and you'd go collecting. I was a collector in a collecting, collection agency or something, I don't know. But I was a collector, so you would collect the money for the newspaper. They would give you these, this two-ring black thing that had these little coupons. Little, teeny, tiny coupons you would rip off and give them. They were useless, but I mean, you would give them... And then they would give you money for the, for the newspaper you delivered to them all week. And so I would go into that bar and I would walk in, and they always had for me Richie's stool. That was when I, they used to call me Richie. So it was Richie's stool. And I'd come in there, nine years old, I'd walk into the bar, hey, Richie, come sit down. And so I'd come and sit down on Richie's stool. And then one of the guys would be like, let me buy you a cold one. And then there'd be a Coke right in front of me. And so I'd be drinking my Coke, and then I'd, I'd rip that little little coupon off and give it to the guy, and then he would go, and as soon as he went, they would slide that big old bowl of peanuts right in front of me, and somehow, in the span of him taking the coupon and bringing me my money, I would consumed that whole bowl. It's like, oh, <laughs> like you've never had peanuts in your whole life, but I'm going to eat them all right now, and joking around with these guys, and then they'd shoo me off. That was my stool for so many years. It was pretty amazing, but anyway, there's a reason that they put that bowl of peanuts there, Because if you eat peanuts, it makes you thirsty. And bars sell beer. Beer costs more than peanuts. But the more peanuts you eat, the more beer you drink. Wash, rinse, repeat, over, over, over. Okay? So that's why they're there, because they create thirst. Now, as an ambassador, is there a thirst in others for what you have? Are you creating a thirst in others by how you present yourself, by how you live your life. I was thinking about this this morning as I was going through my notes. Um, sometimes I think it's, it, it's almost just a response. Are you living your life in such a way? Uh, I just think, have you ever met somebody or known somebody that's going through just a horrible situation? I mean, just, you just look at it and you think, I don't even know how you're functioning right now. But yet they have like this contentment and a peace and a, a joy in their spirit, and you honestly look at that and you think, man, I don't, I don't know if I could be like that. I want to, though. That's what this is talking about. Is there something in you that when somebody looks, they're like, yeah, they're not reacting the way other people would to what just happened. I mean, what just happened is horrible, but yet you're different, and I want that in my life. Have you ever experienced that? That's what he's talking about here. You're the salt of the earth. Then he goes on in verse 14, he says, you're also the light of the world. City set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your life shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So, uh, week and a half ago, Shelly, my wife, met with uh, a realtor in Racine, uh, where we're moving from, and uh, hopefully if all things go well, we've got documents signed, she's dropping them off on Monday, uh, back in Racine, Uh, hopefully if all goes well, our house will sell really quickly here, and finally, 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 my family will be here with me in the middle of June, so yay, here we go, right. So... We're excited. The house that we're selling in Racine, we love it. Uh, it was built in 1941, so it's a really old neighborhood. And back then, when they were building those homes, you know, you just you just built them. And uh, sometimes they were kind of close together. Not all of them are this way, but the one that we have is really close to our neighbor's house, which for us is not a big deal. I mean, we love neighbors. We love getting to know people. We love you know sharing in a neighborhood experience in a city like that. That's been really great. There's only one time, though, that that proximity is, eh, and it's the reality that our bedroom, our master bedroom windows, are only roughly seven to eight feet from Dave and Sue Dallhauer's bedroom windows, which is not a big deal until you go up at ten, ten thirty at night, and you decide it's time to get ready for bed, and so <laughs> it's a really bright room, too, so if you, I mean, if you ever gone, like, go see, hey, we're going to go see Christmas lights. Kids, if your parents are like, oh, let's go drive around and see Christmas lights, they're not looking at the Christmas lights. They're looking in everybody's windows to see what their houses look like. So <laughs> you all know who you are. Trust me. You know, you know you do that. So the reality is, is it's dark outside. It's light in the house. Everybody can see your business, right? Everybody can see what's going on. So this is the habit that we've gotten into. I'll go upstairs, make sure all the blinds are shut. Make sure all the blinds are shut really tight, but still, it just doesn't feel right. So I go to the closet, and I turn the light on the closet, and I shut the door until it's just just barely open. Then you go shut the big light off, and you shut the big door, so now you're standing there in the dark with just barely enough light to get ready for bed, because, you know, I mean, the temptation associated with all this business right here, I can't... I can't present that to the rest of the world, all right? So, that's, that's the reality. Okay, so now, all cutting aside, rewind the tape and go back to ancient Palestine. Ancient Palestine, most homes back in ancient Palestine would create one fire a day. They didn't have BICs, they didn't have that stuff, so you made a fire and you kept that fire going all day long, and so you really worked hard so that it wouldn't go out. And uh, at night, as darkness would descend, what they would do is they would light their lamp, And they put it on a lampstand so that it would illuminate everything in the home, right? Okay, so you've you've had this fire all the way through the day to this moment. But you also needed to get ready for bed, okay? So what do you do? Well, they would have these baskets. And they would have these holes in these baskets. And they would put this basket over the lamp. It, It had enough oxygen and everything that it wouldn't extinguish the flame. But it created enough darkness. Listen closely. To conceal you so that you would not be seen. Here's the deal. Number one, light does illuminate. Light illuminates. It shows the way in as ambassadors. We should be showing the way. <laughs> we should be showing the way because we have the light. People can follow us out of the darkness, okay? So yes, it illuminates. But, but I think more importantly what Jesus is talking here is about number two. Light reveals. It reveals, it exposes the things that are hidden. That's what light does. When the light shows up on the dark corners, I think the dark corners begin to be seen for just how dark they actually are. And as ambassadors, do we blend in with the darkness that's around us? Or does our presence create an awareness of just how dark the darkness is? And people want to escape the darkness around them because we have the light. As a follower of Jesus Christ and an ambassador for this upside-down kingdom that we're a part of, we have been given a light that needs to be seen. We live in a dark world. I don't know about you, but there are people that I desperately love. Like lay-my-life-down love. People I desperately love. Who need to see the light in some Jesus followers around them? We live in a dark world. How many of you know what I'm about to do next? Don't leave me hanging either. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. I probably changed keys there like three times, but thanks for hanging with me. The next verse, hide it under a bushel or a basket? No. What are you going to do? You're going to let it shine. You're going to let it shine. Guess where the light shines the brightest? It's not in here. It's not in here. We don't come here to let our light shine and then wander back into the darkness without taking something with us. The light shines the brightest not in here. We're torch bearers in our homes. Some of you are going to carry that light into a home where you're the only follower of Jesus. That's the reality of the world we live in. This is real life, okay? Some of you are going to go to a workplace where you, maybe one other person, know Jesus Christ. You have the opportunity to take that torch in there and be light in those dark places in your home, at school, in your neighborhood, where you work, wherever that might be. And don't confuse this. You know, we we are those torchbearers, and Jesus gets really specific about how people see our light. He says, they will see your good works, your good deeds, and they will glorify your Father who is in heaven. Those aren't necessarily those nice hashtagable good deeds that we put on Facebook all the time. Sometimes a good deed, sometimes a good work, one that's salty and creates light, sometimes that good deed that you do is just not responding the way the rest of the world would respond to something. Maybe it's, it's not having a problem with your temper or throwing a temper tantrum in a world that seems to justify temper tantrums, and even in a world where Christians justify temper tantrums. Maybe it's not responding in those ways. What is it? that God is doing in us. There's a guy, a German philosopher, he was an atheist, named Nitschke. He once said this. He said, if he saw more redeemed people, if he saw more redeemed people, he would be more inclined to believe in their Redeemer. What good is it to sing about the redemption that we receive if we don't even act like we have been? If we don't act like we have been. That is painful. That is painful. But what it does is it reveals that there's kind of a credibility issue. And it's not denying the existence of darkness. We know this, right? Our world is dark. But what it is, it's pointing out the absence of light in the midst of it. We are that light. Christians who do not have changed lives have a credibility gap. It might be good to ask, what does Jesus mean by light? Jesus calls himself the light of the world. That's what he calls himself. John, the Apostle John, calls him the life that is the light of men, the light that shines in the darkness. The Apostle Paul, he talks about the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. That's what he talks about. We have that light. You and I have that light shining through our lives if our actions reflect the nature of christ love, compassion, forgiveness. His light shines through our attitudes, our words, our deeds. When people see that our lives, when my life has been changed, So that we have Jesus' values and see the power of God at work in us. When they see that, when they see redeemed people, they're going to be more apt to believe that there actually is a Redeemer who can do those things. The alternative for us is to live in the dark. To live in the dark. Scripture teaches us this, God is light. God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. He doesn't change, He doesn't shift like shadows. There's no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Our responsibility as ambassadors is to have lives so transformed by the word Jesus and the inward presence of Jesus that everyone can see his light reflected in how we live our lives. In the end, God's will is done in the region, in the world, as it is in heaven by those who act as ambassadors of salt and light in a kingdom where they no longer have their citizenship. You are an ambassador. This is not your home. You're from another country. You're a foreigner. You are in a foreign land right now. This is not your home. You represent the king from the kingdom that sent you. And that makes your role here in the kingdom of this world exceptionally important. He has placed high value on you. Can I just tell you, I'm so proud of you. I, I've, I started, my first Sunday with you was February 14th, so that feels like yesterday, but then it feels like I've been here a long, long time, which is a good thing, just so you know. Uh, but I've been here long enough to have my hair cut a couple times. Um, I've been here long enough to go to the grocery store a bunch of times, to fill my truck up at the gas station a bunch of times. I've, ha- I've been here long enough to rub shoulders with people, to walk my neighborhood and meet people. I've, I've been here long enough to meet quite a, bit of, quite a few people in this region. Never not once. Never not once when they find out what I do or where I go to church. Has anybody said anything poorly about you? That's amazing to me. There's not a single person that I've run into that has said anything poorly. Now, because of the size of this church and the size of our community, there are a lot of people that know about our church. There are a lot of people that have been through the doors of our church here and there. And instead, what I do here is this. Oh, man, so-and-so goes to that church. I love that person. You know what they did for somebody one time? Okay, that's a really good thing, just so you know. As a pastor, that doesn't happen everywhere, just so you know. Or isn't that the church that helped and did this one thing that one time? Or isn't that the church that does this? Or isn't it the church that that helps that person or that group? That's what I hear all the time from the community. So can I first and foremost tell you, thank you. These messages might feel like a spanking, and maybe I'm spanking myself. Okay, okay. But the reality is, is we're being reminded all the time of how amazing it is, the privilege that we have to be ambassadors for the king. Ambassadors for the king. You guys are doing such an incredible job. I couldn't be more ecstatic to be the pastor of a church that says its mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. But it's one thing to say it. And it's another thing to do it. And you guys are manifesting that. And there's going to be plenty of opportunities to do that more and more so as we move forward together. But I just want to tell you how proud I am of you. Uh, You're just doing a great job. There is nothing regular about you. I'm going to say that again. There is nothing regular about you. You are not normal. Yeah. And this is kind of one of those instances that's a good thing. You're not normal. You, (laughs) and me, you are the highest-ranking diplomat that God sends to this world. That's you. If you have Christ in you, you are God's highest-ranking diplomat in the neighborhood you live in, at your workplace. That's who you are. And that's exciting to me. It tells me God is doing some amazing things amazing things that we get to be a part of it that's that's so cool would you stand with me we've been doing this in this series and uh i think it's a good practice and a good reminder but uh, we're going to recite the lord's prayer together it'll be on the screen Uh, even if you're at home right now i would just invite you to to recite this with us let's do this our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Father, you came to us. You've invited us and you've reached out to us. I know that uh, Father, you knew in my own life the things that I testify about are is that I came to Christ, but the reality is, is you came to me. You sought me out. You knew my heart. You knew, you knew my need, Father, and you met that. And You've done that for all of us. You've reached into our lives. So, Father, help us to move out now into our neighborhood, into our world, understanding our rightful place as citizens of the kingdom of God. And what a blessed privilege it is to be called children of God. You've loved us with such an immeasurable love. And so, Father, for that, we're eternally grateful. Help us to walk out of here with transitioned and changed lives, Father, that, uh, that are willing and ready to go wherever you call us to be. We love you and we thank you. It is in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. Hey, thank you again for being here. Uh, make sure you get your picture taken. I know, you love it out in the out in the hallway I appreciate that thanks god bless